Welcome to One Move at a Time, the U.S. chess podcast that explores people and organizations who are advancing our educational mission to empower people, enrich lives, and enhance communities through chess. Our goal is to give you ideas and methods you can use in your own community to help you build chess in your area one move at a time. Make sure to listen to our family of U.S. Chess podcasts, which include cover stories with Chess Life on the first Tuesday of each month, in which Chess Life editor John Hartman goes more in-depth with each month's cover story, Ladies' Night, which drops on the third Tuesday of each month, and that is hosted by our Women's Program Director, Jennifer Shahadi, and on the fourth Tuesday of each month, Chess Underground, hosted by our Assistant Director of National Events, Pete Karyanis, in which he examines the game's eccentricities, peculiarities, and theoretical novelties. All can be found at the podcast link on Chess Life Online at uschess.org, or by subscribing via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Now, let's welcome our guest to this month's podcast. Welcome to the July edition of One Move at a Time. Our guest today is Young Q Yu, the father of Christopher Yu, who in 2019 became, at that time, America's youngest international master at the age of 12. Young is here to talk about raising a top-tier scholastic player and the joys and problems of having an exceptionally talented child. Young was born in Korea and immigrated to the U.S. at the age of five, settling initially in Minnesota. He earned a degree in math and English literature at the University of Chicago. After working at several software startups over the course of 10 years, he joined Intuit as a software engineer on QuickBooks, working there for 17 years until he retired in 2014, just as Christopher was starting to play chess. And that's where we're going to pick up our story. Welcome to One Move at a Time Young. Glad to be here. Thank you. You're welcome. So this is a little bit of an interesting way of handling uh, talking about somebody. Usually we talk about people in the first person, and I would have Christopher as a guest. But Christopher has been on a guest on our YouTube channel and, and uh, well-profiled in Chess Life. And because this show is about uh, helping people with ideas for uh, in their own Chess Life, I thought talking to the parent of one of our top scholastic players may be an interesting approach. So to kind of set the table... Talk about, just kind of recap what Christopher's major chess successes were, and then we'll go backwards from there. Um, okay. Um, well, his first success was uh, winning the first grade championship of California. I mean, it's not a huge success um, by objective standards, but it was a, a really big milestone for, for us. But it just kind of showed that we thought he could have the talent to go much further. Um, that was only a, f- a few months after he started to learn chess. Um, he's won um, more recently the U.S. Cadet Championship, um, and um, he's had a lot of success in, <laughs> in, in online chess recently as well, including um, almost qualifying for the U.S. Championship um, in the first American online qualifier. Um, what else? Um, he was the youngest California state champ at age 11, and the youngest to be the super GM, a 2700 FIDE rated uh, grandmaster, um, also at, at, actually that was at age 12, and uh, as you mentioned, the youngest I am in American history up to that point, as well as youngest master up to that point when he achieved that. Of course, uh, the, those records have been eclipsed uh, recently by a uh, uh, another prodigy, uh, Abhimanyu uh, Mishra. 
Christopher also has had success in an area that's very unusual for a scholastic player, which is composition. Talk talk a little bit about that, please. Yeah, that, that's interesting because he uh, um, he always loved to solve puzzles. He was always good at solving puzzles. But um, just one day um, during the tournament in which he got his final international master norm, um, he he got interested in creating puzzles himself because he saw an end game position in the game he had played was international master Alexander Katz. And they started working on creating a puzzle based on that position. And, um, and then he just took off. So he won, um, his very first competition he ever went, or he didn't win it, but I think he got third place and an honorable mention. He submitted two, two different positions to a contest and he got those and that really encouraged him. So he subsequently um, got a bronze medal in in FIDE's World Cup in composition, and uh, and a number of other uh, medals in other competitions. Um, but it's it's kind of unusual because um, it's a really old old uh, player sport or old persons older person sports. Uh, most of the composers we know are in their forties, fifties, some in their thirties, but. Um, it's kind of rare for a kid to get involved in this. So let's take it back to the beginning and see how we got to this point. Um, let, let's begin with your own chess history. Uh, how did you get started in chess and how far did you go as a player yourself? Okay. Well, I didn't get very far, but I started when I was maybe nine, ten years old. Uh, uh, we had a chess set at home. I, I'm not sure who taught us the game. It could have been friends or maybe we just read that my sister and I read the rules in in the board on the board but I, i'm not sure but um, um i always enjoyed the game i always like to play my friends but it wasn't until college where i got kind of really interested in it i joined the chess club um in school i also um started reading some chess books um uh, but i never got good i think i peaked out around 1600 and my current rating is around 1500 um uh, but I, you know, I, re- I re- always loved the game. I always loved reading about the game. I read uh, dozens of uh, books on chess history. Um, but you know, my real game was Scrabble. I, that's that's the one I pursued actively and participated in tournaments in. And um, I love word word games too. I, I you know I, I love all kinds of games. So um, ch- chess though was one one of the top games I loved. So did you end up uh, introducing? Christopher to chess or did, did Christopher ask you about learning? Um, uh, so yeah, I, I, I always wanted to introduce my son to chess. I suspected when he was very young that he might become good at it because he had really, um, he was, <laughs> it was kind of he had, he was really good at Tetris and he was really good at this game called stack the states where, where you try to identify shapes of the U S states. And so I thought he, he, he might have some, something with visual memory that, and that maybe that would make him a good chess player. So, but, so I tried to teach him when he was five years old and I had no luck. Um, I, he couldn't remember the names of the pieces. Um, so I kind of gave up in frustration, but a year later, my wife suggested we, uh, enroll him in an after school program to learn chess. And we did. And, um, it, it did take him a couple of weeks, just learn to learn how to move the knight and the and the bishop, but once he got the hang of it, he, he became really good quickly. And I, I've heard you say that you think that it's better to to wait till kids are a little bit later than most 
pe- most people say now start start kids when they're in kindergarten or even younger. But you think that seven or later is the time? Why is that? Um, largely anecdotal evidence, but I can see why there might be some reason behind that. But you know, a lot of the great players started a little later. Um, Carlson started. I mean, he learned how to move the pieces when he was five or six, but he really started playing actively when he was eight or nine. Um, Fisher started when he was around eight or so as well. You have a more modern example like Perugia, Ali Reza Perugia, um, who started when he was eight or nine. Um, so there's that anecdotal evidence. And I asked, I've asked myself why that might be the case. And um, I think there's maybe one or two reasons. One is, you can burn out. You can, if, if you're really good early, um, and sometimes the parents get a little pushy, um, uh, you can burn out really, you know, in a few years. And um, that might be happening with some kids. Um, and also, I think, you know, I think when you're good that young, it's harder to appreciate what that means. Um, there's uh, kids need a little perspective. Everybody needs a little perspective on what that means to be e- even a national champion. What does that mean? You know, kids think, you know, kids who start young, who win everything, you know, th- those wins may not be as special to them. So, I mean, th- that's just my speculation. I don't know what's, what really is the case, but that's just what I think might be. What was the first time when you saw a spark in Christopher where you said to yourself, I think we have something special here as opposed to just yet another scholastic chess player. Yeah, I, I think that was when um, I, I bought him a game of Mason, a book of Mason 2. Um, I forgot the name of the author, but, um, and I, and so he, he was going through that book. And um, so I, one day I, I wanted to see how, how tricky these mates were. So I tried to solve alongside him. And he was solving these quicker than I could um, even see where the king was on the board. And um, and he that this was just about uh, months after he learned how to move the pieces. I'm 1500, I wasn't 1500 rated. And I thought this this was very unusual. So just a reminder, how old is he at this time? He was um, about... So he was about six months, I mean, six years, nine months when he learned how to move the pieces. So yeah, I guess he was about just a couple of months short of his seventh birthday. I, you know, I, I wonder, you know, when you mentioned the, the Tetris and the state stacking, you know, I've always thought that the key skill for chess mastery is pattern recognition. And it, it, it sounds like you you may be thinking the same thing. Oh, absolutely. I, I, have, I agree with you 100%. Um, but, you know... It may not be for all. Um, I mean, all chess, great chess players or good chess players have to have the skill, but some some other people have, I know, approached it differently. Um, I know some really strong kids who actually approach it more from the logical standpoint, the logic of chess, uh, the logic of moves, uh, and then later they acquire the pattern recognition. But, I, but my, my feeling is that the kids are especially geared to... Um, pattern recognition, their brains are more uh, flexible, their brains can be uh, kind of programmed to recognize patterns more easily. So uh, I think it, it does work really well in a lot of kids. And certainly, uh, 
you know, a strong memory has to go hand in hand with that as you're, you're trying to memorize opening theory, you know, dozens of moves deep at some, in some lines. How would you describe Christopher's memory? Um, I don't know if that is particularly special. He, he can remember some things extremely well. He remembers dates well. Um, when he was younger, he, he would remember like what we ate at a restaurant a year ago. He remembered the dates where we, when we would, we ate at that restaurant a year ago. I remember once we lost our parking space after a, a trip uh, out, of, uh, out of the state. Uh, so and but he remembered the parking spot number. He remembered several months later the hotel room numbers that we stayed at, <laughs> and you know so we were kind of amazed at his memory at that point. Uh, but you know I, I don't know if he, his memory for chess is that special because um, you know. I, until fairly recently, he wasn't re- really remembering his games, the moves of his games. Um, and, I mean, his opening memory is, is okay, but it's, it's, I don't know if it's uh, particularly special. But, but you know, I, I think chess kids come in all shapes, all shapes and sizes. Um, I remember reading about a, a Korean boy who was... Um, who became one of the greatest goal players? Are you familiar with the game of Go? Oh yes. Um, yeah, he became one of the greatest goal players of all time, Yi Chang Ho. And um, and when he was a kid, he couldn't remember any of his games. Even as an adult, he couldn't remember any of his the moves of his games. And and so all his uh, his mentors and his coaches doubted his ability. They said, you know, he, he won't be anything special because he can't remember. But he could calculate incredibly well, and um, he dominated the world's goal for a number of years in, back in the 80s and 90s. So let's widen our perspective a little bit before we talk uh, more nitty-gritty chess stuff. Uh, is is Christopher homeschooled, public, private school? What grade is he in? He's, he's been homeschooled since the third grade. Um, he's, he would enter the ninth grade this year, but um, he's, he's homeschooled still. I know you're retired now, as I said in the introduction. Are, are you his primary teacher, or is his mother, or is it some combination? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's actually mostly the computer, but we, we try to help him with, with it. Um, so he, he uses a program called Time for Learning, um, and um, it, it's, it, it's basically his teacher. And what were your reasons for uh, homeschooling him? Were they directly chess-related? Yeah, um, because he had to travel for chess, and the schools would not, especially in California, would not allow him the time for that travel during the year. Um, uh, we had to do something else, so uh, that homeschooling was, was that solution. And has there been anything in his schooling that you have you've thought, you know what, he's doing particularly well here because of his chess learning and ability? I'm, I don't know. I don't. I haven't really thought about that. Um, he's always been good at math, but he was good at with numbers even before his chess. So I don't know if um, chess has helped him there. I think um, what chess helps him with are things like focus. Uh, but it's hard. It's hard to tell from the from what he does does on chess time for learning if that's that focus has translated to better schoolwork. And I'm curious how formal everything is. Do you have a certain number of hours a day that he devotes to school and a certain number that he devotes to chess, or is it more freeform than that? It's a little more freeform. We don't check uh, his hours. He doesn't, he doesn't like to be micromanaged. So, uh, we, we try to avoid that. Um, but we, we know we, we try to make him do 
uh, two to three hours of um, homeschooling each day. Um, but but the more importantly, he needs to finish his, uh, you know, there's a full set of curricula for each school year. And we, we just try to make sure he finishes that, um, you know, whatever pace he wants to do it each day. What other interests does he have, if any? Uh, any sports? Um, well, tennis, um, but he hasn't played in a while because of the pandemic. Um, it, it, table tennis. Uh, we, we've been running pretty regularly, um, but uh, he, he doesn't enjoy that a whole lot. He mostly does that for the exercise. Um, yeah, so we've you know we've tried him with all sorts of sports: basketball, soccer. Um, but the, like the racket sports, tennis, table tennis, badminton, those, those he, he likes quite a bit. One of the recurring themes on this show has been just how often tennis comes up. Uh, a lot of players seem to really, uh, use tennis as, as one of their other activities. Yeah. Um, we, we talked about that too. And he's played tennis with, uh, with some really good chess players who are really good tennis players, um, uh, like Mark Esserman. Um, and uh, well, I guess we speculated because of hand-eye coordination, um, but who knows uh, what all is involved in that. So let, let's get back into the chess nitty-gritty. Um, now that you've got a little bit of perspective uh, on on Christopher uh, and and his start in chess, th- think about a parent now who is thinking about teaching their five, six, seven-year-old chess. What what? would you do differently and what would you definitely say is is something that a, a parent should should start with when teaching their kids yeah that's a very, a very good question um because i would not have started my son in the way i did or tried to do when he was five um because I, I i think i didn't know how he learns and he doesn't learn the way i learned or what, how many other kids learn i think um he learns very visually and I tried to teach him chess by teaching him the names of the pieces. And he, could, he didn't get it. He couldn't remember them. And, I, and one thing I learned later was that he doesn't learn verbally. He, he doesn't remember you know, verbal instructions. We found that out when he went to first grade and his teacher told us, you know, he, he, he can't follow three steps <laughs> if we give it to him. Um, and so... You know, I should have tried to pull chess visually and maybe showed him how the pieces move rather than showed him what the pieces were and and that kind of stuff. Um, so it's good to understand how your kids learn. There's no no one way that kids learn. There's, there's many different ways. Um, and um, also, you know, one one thing that that's very tempting for parents when if their kid shows any talent for for chess or for any activity is really to get too involved with their kids and um, get too emotionally attached to their, the results and the performances. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I, I fall, fell into that trap too. And I think many parents, parents have, and it's good to maintain some distance um, and, uh, you know, let their, them grow the love of this game on their own. And was there a certain age or a certain rating? Like when, when he reached your rating, did when did you say it's, okay, it's time to hire him a coach? And who does he currently work with? Well, we we currently work with um, Sam Shankton, um, on the advice of Jakob Ogard, who was his former former coach, and Jakob is also Sam's coach. Um, 
So uh, I think that's going well. He 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 kind of disdains coaching <laughs> at the moment. He he thinks he can learn on his own. And um, so we, we meet with Sam about we we try to meet with him now maybe every quarter, but for extended sessions like they'll have a week long set of lessons one on one. But the first coach we had. Um, was probably uh, Emery Tate. Well, I mean, he he had the classes, right? So those were coaches too, but they were in group settings. But his first one-on-one -on -one coach was Emery Tate, but we only had him for a short while. Emery, we 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 hired because he he approached us because Christopher was taking a camp. Christopher had only been playing chess for two or three months, but he was attending a a winter camp actually with uh, Emery, and Emery noticed his talent and said he really wanted to. Coach him, and he said, I, I, he told us, I can make him a world champion. And um, he was really enthusiastic. He, in fact, offered to coach um, Christopher for free. But the, his condition was that um, he, that Christopher would have to do six hours of chess, mostly opening study, um, for the next six months. And I thought that was a little too much. So we, we parted away with Emery. So his first really full time coach was um, a man named uh, Wei Lu, who doesn't have a chess rating, but is very popular in our in the Bay Area, the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, because um, he had he had taught his two kids, a son and a daughter, uh, to nearly master level in just a couple of years. Um, and so he has many students. And um, so we enrolled him in small group classes, like four students each, uh, once a week uh, with Wei Lu, and he was his main coach until he got to about A level. So as he's working with, with Sam Shankland, you know, it, it's almost unfathomable to someone like me. And I'm, I'm like you, I'm a mid 1500s player. What is the difference between an IM and a GM? What, what is that, that they are studying to get him to his next level? I think, I guess more about everything, but I mean, right now we're focused on, um, openings um, because you need to have really strong openings to be a good GM. Also, we're focused on calculation. I mean, that's always been important. That's something we've always emphasized and his coaches have emphasized from day one. Um, Wei Lu, it was really all about tactics and calculation. Um, but so he's working on calculation and also working on end games. But I, I think end games is kind of his strengths. He, he, like you know, he he likes to create endgame studies, and um, he's read Dorevsky, and um, he always seems to do well in his, his endgames against other IMs and even even GMs. So, um, but I, but one thing he needs to work additionally on, I think, is positional chess and um, strategy and and the middle game. Really, all parts of the game. <laughs> I think that covers it all. So it it really just comes down to just getting incrementally better when you get to his level. Yeah, although there's a, there's he keeps saying and everybody keeps reiterating there is a huge gulf, a huge gap between IM or even a even a lower level GM and a super GM, and um, it's just it's just a profound ocean that you have to negotiate. <laughs> so in my research, it looked like. Christopher has had one GM norm. Is is that still accurate? Yeah, that's right. Um, he got that norm uh, last month or 
or at the end of May, beginning of June. And I assume, based on this work that you just described with with Sam, that becoming a grandmaster is a immediate goal. Yeah, it's the immediate goal. Um, but I mean, we 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 are, I always try to think longer term, and um, I think that's also important for kids. Because um, you can get too wrapped up in the, your victories and your and your failures or your losses, um, but that, that's not really important. One one thing I always like to tell other parents who ask me is, um, uh, you know, no kid who's who's won the world youth or world cadets has ever won the world championship, and that goes all the way back to Kasparov. He he failed to win his first world cadet, and he's never. But you know. Um, and Nepan Niachi is would be the very first uh, um, world youth winner to win the world championship if he somehow managed to beat Magnus this year. Well, that's really interesting. It's it's funny I've never heard that before, but um, that that's a fascinating factoid. Yeah, in fact, he defeated Carlson for first place at World Youth. <laughs> that's the best place best finish uh, Carlson ever had. So let, let's talk a little bit about ratings and, and records. Um, actually, let me step back because uh, something you just said with, about long-term goals uh, raised another question for me. Uh, what are the long-term goals? Does, is Christopher planning to attend college or university? Does, do you think he will play on a college team? Does he plan to be a professional chess player or does he have other career aspirations? He wants to make a career in chess. So... Um, if he, you know, the goal is to become a really strong GM, a, a super GM, a, maybe a world title contender. Uh, failing that, he wants to become a, a chess coach. Although I, I, you know, I kind of have doubts about the, the viability of that career. So I, I said, you know, if it doesn't look like you're going to become a real strong chess player, I think you should go to college. Um, and so we'll see what happens. He still has some time to decide. If he goes to college, could you see him playing on a college team? Yeah, maybe, but not as uh, not something that would require him to devote a whole lot of time to chess. Uh, at least that's what I would I w- would want. Um, and uh, you know, I, I would hope he would go to a good, strong academic institution rather than one that's more slanted towards a chess team. So let, let's talk a little bit about ratings and records, because there is a little bit of overlap between uh, what Abhi Mishra has just done in becoming the world's youngest grandmaster ever, and the fact that they were uh, that both Abhi and Christopher were uh, at one time America's youngest international master. But whereas the Mishras seem to be laser focused on on achieving these goals, I get the feeling that it was a little bit more organic for Christopher becoming the youngest I am. Yeah, in fact, uh, we we didn't think it would happen. Uh, we did set our goals on becoming uh, set our sights on becoming youngest master. He, he set his sights on that, and he got it uh, with a few days to spare. The I am we didn't think it would happen. And in fact, we knew, we you know we took like a little, he took like a month or two off between tournaments, um, before he played in that final event that got him the I am norm. And it was kind of you know almost miraculous. It was in that same event that he beat a twenty seven hundred rated GM, and beat another twenty six hundred rated GM, um, and got his I am norm. And uh, <laughs> it was totally unexpected. So we didn't really. Who was the t- who- 
Who was that 2700? Oh, wow. And he beat another Webster alumni, uh, Peter Prohaska, also in the same tournament. Um, what, what books have been helpful to Christopher? And what books also might you recommend to parents who are looking to start their own kids? Um, so I read a lot of Dan Heitman books. So they were really helpful for me to help guide Christopher. He didn't read them himself. Um, the, the only books he read were t- books on tactics. Um, Susan Pogar's Chess Tactics for Championships, for Champions, sorry, really helpful. Um, How to Beat Your Dad at Chess, really helpful. Um, but I read Dan Heisman's A Parent's Guide to Chess, Everyone's Second Chess Book, which I recommend anybody who has a kid in the 1000 to maybe 1400 range uh, read. Um, um, I also would point people at Dan Heisman, recommend the books page, just a, a whole list of books um, people can read it depending on their level, depending on their age, and, and so on. So I, I highly recommend that. Um, we also use, uh, you know, this is a little controversial, but I've also read uh, Rapid Chess Improvement by uh, uh, De La Maza. And um, because those uh, that repetition, that, that repetitive learning of tactics, so is something that Wei Lu, his first coach or his second coach, uh, recommended. Um, and uh, and I think that really helped him. Uh, but I think it's more helpful for kids than for uh, adults. Does Christopher actively use books at, at this point, or is it really more, you know, Sam Shanklin providing him, uh, you know, digital uh, problems to solve? Um, well, I mean, the only time he's, uh, he solves problems is when he gets together with Sam. I mean, um, in terms of assigned problems, Christopher mostly solves problems from other from books that I provide or from uh, chesstemple.com, which is, which is an excellent resource for, uh, for problems of all levels, but especially difficult problems. Um, and oh, he also taught a lot of Ogard exercise, exercises from his books, as well as um, worksheets he's gotten from him in the past. And of course, Ogard's a you know um, an active writer now for Chess Life magazine. So anybody who's interested in his his work, please you know look at any of the last year's worth of Chess Life for for more of that. Um, so I, I'm I'm guessing that the fact that Christopher is so interested in endgame. Uh, composition means that you have no real issue with his motivation. That he sounds like he's pretty self motivated to to continue getting better at chess. Yeah, he's motivated to get better at chess right now. He's lacking a little motivation to work hard for it. <laughs> the, the problem is um, because he has some natural talent. It's a lot of it has come a little too easy for him, I think. And um, at, at, you know, to get to Super GM, he needs to work really hard. And um, uh, right now, his attention has been a little distracted by video games. Uh, his, one thing the pandemic did was it, it helped him make more friends. So he had he'd been homeschooling, so it was hard for him to make friends. But with the pandemic, so many kids are at home now. So now he has a bunch of Skype friends, and he's chatting with them a lot. So uh, his attention is getting a little more distracted now. And he's also you know, a teenager now. <laughs> Uh, and um, and his his uh, attention is elsewhere. 
Um, but he still works hard at his chest, just that it's, he's more distracted than he used to be. And as he's getting at higher and higher levels, you know, just the winds are obviously coming fewer and fewer. How, how does he deal with these, you know, the, the inevitable setbacks? Um, actually, you know, the winds have come up pretty frequently because he's been very good at online chess. And that's what he, the only thing he could play during the pandemic, right? And um, so he's been winning a lot of those events. Um, and uh, and then he got his norm recently, so that was a success. success. So like his last two over the board tournaments were not were, were just you know not great. Um, so I don't I don't think that's been really a problem that he's have had less success uh, because the tournaments are tougher. Um, I think the bigger issue overall is that um, I think it's a little hard for him to appreciate the importance of these wins or the importance of the these tournaments. Um, because he, because he has been having success all of his life, right? He doesn't have that perspective of what it means to be a national champion or what it means to be, uh, you know, playing these international tournaments. If a parent has a kid who's maybe not winning the first grade national or the first grade state championship in California and is maybe coming in. 15th place in first grade uh and you know and then maybe 20th place in second grade uh you know what's your recommendation for them uh is it just watch just watch what the kid wants and and if they're interested in getting better providing those lessons or do you maybe steer them in a different direction uh that's a hard problem it's not one i had to face particularly um but um I would I would say you know usually you know if you, if you let the kid develop the love of the game it'll go better you'll be more engaged if he does does come to love and and be very good at it right but the one thing that Bruce Pandolfini one of Christopher's early coaches told us was that you know when you're at particularly young like seven eight years old they need a little extra motivation they, because you know. It's, not all chess study is easy and fun. You know, even if a kid finds um, solving tactics fun, there's things in chess that so it's not fun to do, especially for hours at a time. And so you said parents, you know, especially for young kids, need to give them a little extra motivation. So he thought it's good to reward kids at that age. Um, but we we've never, I've never believed in in doing that uh, in giving rewards. Uh, f- for any performance for or for anything really uh, like that I, I i believe that the road and the journey and and the rewards you get from actually uh, from the outside world are are, are what should be more important than than what the rewards that your parents give you sometimes the rewards can simply be you know more chess, like Blitz or Bullet or Bughouse, uh, have have those variants played any role in Christopher's development? Uh, I, I think Blitz has a lot. Um, he's he's at sometimes he's gotten hooked on on Bughouse a little bit. I don't know if that's been helpful, but I, I am pretty sure that Blitz has been helpful. Um, I rem- you know it's controversial, right? Some coaches say you should not play any Blitz at all. Um, I know Kramnik says you should not play blitz, but you know um, I once heard um, Carlson ask the same question, and he said, "Well, I played a lot of blitz as a kid, 
And I think it's helpful for pattern recognition and for just in general. And I, I know that almost all the great world champions played a lot of blitz. So, uh, you know, I, I, in fact, encourage uh, Christopher to play blitz. And you mentioned that he had um, trouble uh, with, with friends mainly because he was homeschooled. But, uh, you know, I think that's one of the reasons Bughouse is so popular is, is because of the social aspect. Uh, did Christopher in, enjoy Bughouse when he had the opportunity? Um, it's funny, he didn't really enjoy Bughouse at first. Um, but he wasn't very good at it, and uh, um, and so he, he didn't like to play it. But uh, more recently, during the pandemic, he's been playing bug house with friends online, and and he's uh, enjoyed it a lot more. So you know, as the world is opening up again, as we're as we're we're talking here, at the beginning of July, you know, what are Christopher's um, upcoming bigger events that he'll be playing in? Yeah, well, the next big event is the U.S. Junior Championship, and that's just in a, about a week. Huh? Yeah, and, um, and then he has a, maybe a couple of uh, norm round robins trying to get his next GM norms. And then I'm not sure what. I'm not sure what's happen- really happening in the fall. Uh, we may go to Europe at some point. Is he playing in the U.S. Open coming up next month? Uh, no, no, he, he has a conflict with a GM Norm Ron Robin. Oh, the, the other big thing he's doing is he's playing in the on the Challengers Chess Tour. Have you heard of this? It's an online competition. Right. Yeah. No. Talk talk a bit more about it for our, our listeners who haven't heard of it. Yeah. So it's it's um, an online competition. They invited twenty very very strong kids from around the world. Ten boys, ten girls. So the oh, the bo- girls are also girls and women. The 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 females in the competition are about five years older, um, but they, they've been they were invited to play against each other in four tournaments um, with chances. The winners of winner of each of these tournaments gets to compete in um, something called a Meltwater Champions Tour. This is a tour where Magnus Carlsen and, and uh, Karuana and Nakamura and Nepan Miyachi and all those people get to play online. And um, so it's a great opportunity uh, for the kids perhaps to get a chance to play the very best players in the world online. Um, and at the end of this four tournament season, um, they're going to have a finals, the top eight qualify for the finals. And the winner of that will be a regular on the Meltwaters Champions Tour uh, next year. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah, no, very cool. Christopher is right now, I think, in eighth place. So I'd say it's right on the edge of qualification. But he's the youngest boy in the, the youngest person in the competition, and the lowest rated boy in the competition. He's like the 16th seed in the competition. So he's been doing very well um, uh, uh, for for his age and for his rating. No, that that's always excellent news to hear that our top American prospects are doing so well. So as we approach the end of this recording, um, tell me what you think are the main things that you've done right as a chess parent. Um, yeah, I think emphasizing um, for him pattern recognition. I mean, once I made the initial mistake, initial mistake of when I first tried try to teach him by teach, teaching him verbally, but uh, later uh, when I learned what was the right way, I, you know, emphasized pattern recognition. Um, I, 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 you know, 
and it's been a gradual learning process. I think I've gotten better at it as as it's, as it's gone along. Um, I've, I eventually learned also not to get to get so involved in his chest, not to micromanage him, um, not to emphasize results so much. I think that that is very important. That um, you know, harking on results can both discourage and encourage a kid, but um, I, I think it's important to have your sights set on, on long-term goals. And in the age-old nature versus nurture debate, it, it sounds very much from everything you've said that it's been very much a 50-50 proposition for Christopher. Is, is that a fair statement? Yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, I think it's fair. I think he, and obviously he did have some natural talent for it. Um, otherwise, he wouldn't have gotten so good in just a month or two. Uh, but, you know, he wouldn't be where he was unless he worked hard at it. I think another important ingredient is uh, focus, being able to focus for a long time. Because I've, I've seen a lot of very talented kids, uh, maybe even more talented than Christopher and some of the prodigies, other prodigies and good kids we have now, um, who, who just never got really strong because they wouldn't sit down long enough and focus long enough. Well, young QU, it was great having you on this July edition of One Move at a Time. Congratulations, you know, to Christopher on all of his success, and we'll be anxiously watching as he pursues those last two GM norms. Uh, oh, I should also ask, what is his rating right now? It's twenty four seventy nine B day and twenty five sixty something USCF. Okay, so he's just shy of that magic 2,500 rating as well that he'll need for FIDE. Yeah. So you know, we'll be keeping an eye out on him. And uh, as always, cover, he'll be well covered on Chess Life Online and Chess Life Magazine. So again, Young QU, thank you very much for appearing on this show. Great. Uh, thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on this edition of One Move at a Time, which always drops on the second Tuesday of each month. Our theme music was composed by National Master Alex King of Memphis, Tennessee. Our podcasts are produced and edited by Jason Andre at Seven Season Films Photography and Media. Please visit www.sevenseasonfilms.com to find out how to start your own podcast. Our sister podcasts at U.S. Chess are Cover Stories with Chess Life on the first Tuesday of each month, Ladies' Night, hosted by Women's Program Director Jennifer Shahadi on the third Tuesday of each month, and on the fourth Tuesday, Chess Underground, hosted by our Assistant National Events Director, Pete Karianis. I hope that you have learned something of value that you can now use to help build chess in your own community. We'll be back next month with another Chess World personality who is helping us advance our mission statement to empower people, enrich lives, and enhance communities through chess. <laughs>